What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez Peak. And I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. It's the Gen Z video game podcast and advice show. Do you guys have any advice for our listeners? Ooh. I would say if you are on Facebook Marketplace <laughs> and you see a $40 cardboard cutout of Shrek, you should buy it. Mm. That's a lot better than mine. I was just going to say, like, make sure you pee after sex, but that's good. Uh, that's get up a day good. so you can spray yourself with water after sex. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed the bidet part. I just heard, I zoned out for a second and missed bidet. It just heard, <laughs> spray yourself with water after sex. And I was like, what no, the hell with, is she with talking a bid- about? With a bidet. With a bidet. It's a yeah, lot yeah. more efficient. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Are you on that bidet life? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. It's so good. That's what I hear from everybody who is on bidet life, but I'm not there yet. I don't know. I'm like someone who's so bidet pilled, even though I've only used one once and didn't think the experience was that great. But I just think that toilet paper is like one of the most disgusting things that exists. Yeah, Yeah. I will say the first time I used it, I was like, this water's so cold. It's like in my butt. It's so cold. But like you get used to the temperature over time and like it actually feels, it feels like you got like a wet wipe it feels so good yeah the first and only time i used a bidet was at a an airbnb in miami Whoa. and uh, i thought nice. the water was way too cold and then i accidentally did like spray some of it out of the toilet trying to figure out what i was doing it sounds like yeah. a swanky airbnb yeah you gotta figure out you gotta figure out your butt angle <laughs> unfortunately this airbnb in miami was totally like at one point a front for a drug operation because it's just like one of those tall buildings in miami that's like not a hotel it's condos Ah. but like people don't live there kind of like it seems pretty empty and vacant but it's a tall ass building with a shit ton of rooms and then like chandeliers and stuff yeah there's some going on there for sure my aunt got married at this like beautiful historic like via like spanish courtyard house in miami with like a beautiful garden and they were like the the owner was like um scarface was filmed here and a really wealthy family had this house in the 70s and 80s and i was like oh this was a coke house yeah like this was a (laughs) yeah i've never uh, my understanding of miami is that there's just like a lot of the remnants of like super ingrained corruption from 40 50 years ago (laughs) yeah I remember the first time I went to Miami and it was similar to like the few times I went to Orlando the first time where I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this place seems like um, if you push on one of the buildings too hard, it would fall over. Yeah. 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 Orlando does feel like that. Yeah. Let's talk about some gaming news. Yeah. Video games. Video games. games. Uh, How are we feeling about video games this week? Uh, What's going on in the video game world? It's it's been... I feel like the year has started off, like, quite bad, honestly. There's been, like, 4,000 gaming layoffs. Just, like, a lot, man. And there's Unity, there is... Wasn't there layoffs at Twitch? Yeah, there was, like, 500 people laid off from Twitch, yeah. Jesus, yeah. Discord, Lost Boys Interactive. I mean, there's just a, a lot going on. Yeah, I uh, uh, we've been taking this from the handy dandy page that Kotaku made like 
at the start of the year, like three days into January, and they were like, these are all the gaming layoffs in 2024. We're just going to update this page as it goes along. And yeah. uh, at time of recording, the last time it was updated was yesterday. I don't know. It's tricky because it's like we're coming out of 2023, which was like, it was the best year for games. And like, it was good. Don't get me wrong. There was some really great stuff that came out. But like, in the same way that like, the uh, the cutoff from year to year is totally fake. It's like the gaming layoffs just continue straight through into the new year, and it really, really sucks. Yeah. So it's it's been kind of interesting to watch. One thing that I was thinking about was, like, correct me if I'm wrong. So Twitch announced that they were going to leave South Korea, like, a while ago, right? Yes. And I was seeing all these layoffs at Twitch, and it kind of, like, was just... I'm just kind of curious about, like, the fall of Twitch we're kind of seeing. Because I feel like for a hot minute, like, Twitch was it in terms of, like, the game streaming space. Yeah. And, like, what has or will rise to take place as, as its successor is kind of interesting to me. Because it still kind of is the de facto platform for streaming. So I just kind of wonder, like, where things are going to go from here. I think the the main thing that comes to mind for me about that is an article in the newsletter garbage day i think i brought this to the show a few months ago when he was talking about twitch but he compared twitch to snapchat as a platform as like it was really innovative when it first launched and it became like it became this platform that was like really well known for what it did and then it didn't really innovate and it kind of just kept doing what it was doing. And then a bunch of other platforms started doing exactly what it did, just as good or better. And so it's like, I don't I don't necessarily think that like streaming video games on TikTok is the future. But like now it's not just Twitch. It's YouTube. It's Twitch. It's TikTok. There's like multiple other avenues to do it. And Twitch's interface just kind of sucks, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't used Twitch a ton, but every time I do use it, it's just, like, not great. And then, like, it forces you to watch, like, a minute-long ad every now and then if you're not subscribed yeah. to the person you're watching. Like, it's just not a super user-friendly platform. So I can't say that I'm, like, super surprised that with their lack of innovation, they are also just kind of, like, not really going anywhere positive, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so that's like one news item. The other funny news item, though, that is a lot more lighthearted is... Debatably. <laughs> the British Army has been using Fortnite to advertise, which is kind of hilarious to me. Like, it's not the first time we've heard of a military advertising with video games, trying to recruit with video games. Like, the U.S. Army and Call of Duty have done this since, like, forever. But something about Fortnite is really bizarre to me because, like, people are dressed up as, like, fucking Peter Griffin and, like, doing dances. And the British army is like, would you like to serve the king? It just, like, does not, it does not line up for me. Yeah, they're calling it Operation Belong. Interesting. Which is wild, but we know militaries, militaries and, like, they're, they're, they're trying to find lonely people to come fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a private creative map that they're going to live stream. It will be streamed from the British Army's Twitch channel. I love that sentence. Um, From this article that we're referencing is from thegamer.com. And it says, quote, 
Operation Belong likely goes against Fortnite's terms of service as it explicitly forbids creative being used to, quote, promote enrollment in the military, which I think is so fucking funny. Like, I wouldn't expect Epic Games to have that written into, like, it's me either. But I think it's so funny that it does. But the people like the people in this article are like, it it probably goes against it. But like, what's Epic Games going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need. I, They're gonna ban the British Army's Ep- account on Epic, Epic yeah. Games versus the British military. I need it in court. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, yeah, it's like you said, Tori. It's like there is such a rich history of utilizing video games as a way to like try to get people to join the military. But something about using Fortnite yeah. really just feels like the darkest possible option. Yeah, it's like because it's not. It's not like a Call of Duty, and it's not like those really shitty, like, government-made shooter game or, like, government-commissioned first-person shooters that are, like, hyper-realistic and are, like, no, but the fun of it is the gun recoil and the the sense of, like, uh, tactics and all this stuff. And it's, like, Fortnite's not like that. Like, yeah, that's Fortnite is not even a little bit like that. And it's, like, on the off chance that some 10-year-old watching this somewhere is, like, I... I do want to get deployed to Yemen, actually. Like, it's there's not there's no grapple blades, there's no fucking ballistic shields. There's no there's no Fortnite dances in no, Yemen. There's not there's no Fortnite dances. Yeah. yeah. There's no Timothee Chalamet skins in Yemen. There's not. No, you. Yeah. I found another article on this that is on mm-hmm. PC Gamer, and they're talking okay. about how I guess like this live stream is gonna be. Um, young Philly from like formerly a part of Footy Asylum. I don't know if you guys know that YouTube channel. It's like British. Um, it was like these dudes in Britain, these black dudes, and they made funny videos. Um, and so it's going to be Young Philly and then Els the Witch, who is a person I have not heard of. God, um, British YouTuber names are crazy. Yeah, honestly. And so they are <laughs> they are going to compete head-to-head on the map next week is the plan. And isn't the map just, like, it's, like, acrobatics and, like, just, like, an endurance map? Like, I watched the trailer for this, and it looks like it's just, like, you know that one old Fortnite, like, loading area? Yeah. Where it was just, like, wooden <laughs> scaffoldings that you just, like, jumped over and stuff? Yeah, it looks like it's that. This is awesome. They're, like, this is what boot camp is like. Fortnite version, please join. Yeah, exactly. A boot camp simulator. Interesting. Yeah, it's like boot camp simulator. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, hey, what can I say? Fortnite's a good game. I'm ready to suit up. (laughs) You're like, meet me me in the British Army obstacle course. It's like, oh, man, you really want to play duos again? Can't we join Operation Belong? (laughs) Nathaniel, I know a really innovative new way that we can play duos. (laughs) Oh god. Um Yeah, I hate this, but uh I got another news item here. We briefly talked about this in our lost episode, so I'm glad that there was some kind of development so that I could bring it back since I was the only one who gave a shit about it and only marginally at that. Um there was just a couple of days ago from when we're recording, Xbox did its like Day of the Dev style stream where it was like Look, we're Microsoft and we're one of the biggest companies in media, but we have real people that work for us and they're real human beings, we promise. And it's like, I did not watch it, but everything I heard is that like, this is actually a pretty cool format of like getting 
actual developers to talk about stuff instead of it being like I'm Jeff Keeley and here's a trailer made by nameless faceless people like actually getting devs to talk about the stuff that they're mm-hmm. working on and see like a little bit of behind the scenes stuff is something that like I tend to really enjoy of the stuff that was shown off it doesn't sound like there was anything like crazy crazy new I know that there was a new trailer that showed some gameplay for that game Avowed the one that Obsidian is working on that is like if Outer Worlds was to fall out, Avowed is to the Elder Scrolls. So, like, that's that game they're working on. But they did Interesting. They did also show gameplay in a new trailer for the Machine Games developed Indiana Jones game that was announced back in 2021, was originally supposed to come out last year, I think, and was, like, radio silence up until a week ago. Did anybody else watch the trailer for this? How are we feeling about Indiana Jones and the Great Circle? I did. I did. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because like it looks good. Mm-hmm. Troy Baker's voice—it's kind of interesting because like if I close my eyes and I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, he sounds like a good indie. But then when you look at it and you hear his voice with like basically Harrison Ford's virtual likeness, it doesn't match. Yeah, it like matches like sixty percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. It definitely sounds like I, someone doing a Harrison Ford impression. Oh, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. I'm kind of of the mindset, though, that, like, considering I was fully expecting it was going to be deepfake AI Indiana Jones voice tra- trained on Harrison Jesus. Ford reading an ebook from 30 years ago, like, I I will take this any day of the week over that. <laughs> yeah, I can't really, I, can't, I feel like I can't afford to bitch about voice acting anymore because it's like, well, they could just pull it from an AI from a movie from the 70s. Exactly, yeah. They could have just trained an AI on the first three Indiana Jones movies and then done like a half-assed deep fake Harrison Ford voice. So Yeah, unfortunately. I um I watched a YouTube video about this direct from YouTuber Kyle Bosman and he does a he does a weekly semi-regular show. He used to be with Game Trailers like mm-hmm. a million years ago. Yeah. And on his latest episode of um, his show called Delayed Input, he talked about this. And I like the point he made. He was saying that this trailer really does not show anything that has not been done in a million other video games up to this point. Mm-hmm. You know? True. It's like... It is It is about the most box-standard Indiana Jones-type action you could possibly get. It looks like, plot-wise, it is something out of uh, three other movies. But, like, it does look really solid. Like, mm-hmm. it's being developed by Machine Games. They did the Wolfenstein games. Those are really tight. Like, I'm sure it's going to be good. It's just going to be... I think it's going to be a matter of it having to differentiate itself considering that like Indiana Jones as a movie was like the answer to nostalgia over all of these like old pulpy adventure books and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like video games kind of already have their answer to Indiana Jones and they have for decades in the form of stuff like Tomb Raider and Uncharted and all these things. So it's like how does Indiana Jones make itself interesting other than hey guys look it's a character you know and it's harrison ford and he's sexy so i don't know yeah it's um i don't know it seems interesting i don't know how much people want this i feel like i don't know it seems like this is a genre of games that exists like we've seen it for many decades tomb raider like uncharted 
like type mm. of explore game. So it seems weird to have Indiana Jones like enter this space when I feel like this is already a genre that has like its franchises in in gaming. I feel like this game lives or dies by its like puzzle solving and combat. And yeah. like the gunplay in the Wolfenstein games is really solid, so I'm sure that's going to be good, but like if the puzzle solving sucks in this game, I I don't see where it goes, you know? Like, if you're not, mm-hmm. like, flipping through a virtual journal and trying to, like, solve puzzles based on that kind of stuff, like... Mm-hmm. And even that's been done before, but, like, I feel like it's just got to be really good in that department. It makes me think of, like, uh, I was on Twitter the other day, and there was a whole bunch of people talking about, like, the Wizards of Waverly Place reboot that Selena Gomez posted about on her Instagram story. And oh, yeah. I saw something about this on TikTok yesterday, yeah. And every time something like this happens, people are like, damn, wouldn't it be cool if we could just, like, make new shit? Yeah. And stop just remaking old shit? And so I've been thinking with this, like, I'm wondering if gaming is a space where that is just, like, way, way more accepted than mm-hmm. it is on TV and in movies. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering, like, why? And mm-hmm. is that just because, like, we nostalgia sells better in video game than in, I mean obviously it sells well enough on TV and movies because everything is remakes everywhere yeah um, mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just weird feeling weird about remakes right now yeah yeah I had this feeling last year because like there was there was a lot of remakes there's like Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4 yeah. and there's Dead Space and there is Metroid Prime which I did play and it's like one of those I feel very torn about it because I do I did enjoy Metroid I think remakes and remasters exist as almost a form of games preservation, but also you could just make the original available always. Yeah. And it wouldn't be necessary. Yeah. And also I would like new shit. Like I think I could just, if they just made the GameCube available on like Switch Online, I would just play Metroid Prime that way. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather get Metroid Prime 4 than a Metroid Prime remastered. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it. It serves as kind of, like, fodder to hold people over until the next new thing, and I feel like it's kind of overused. When I was watching the Indiana Jones commercial, I was thinking, like, this does look cool, but I'm wondering, like, if we took all of the time and money spent on securing the IP and instead just funneled that into let's make the next great treasure hunter video game... Yeah. I'm just wondering like how different the products mm-hmm. would be and what we could get out of something new that we there's just it's impossible to get out of something old. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think even more so than like remake culture taken whole hog as it exists in like the film and TV industry, I think video games especially suffer from this issue of a lot of people who play video games are people who for decades would watch a movie, watch a TV show, and I mean, we're all guilty of this, and go like, oh my god, but how cool would it be to play that? How cool would it be to experience that? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's a market for that, and hell, I'm a part of some of the markets for that. You know, like, it is it is so true that, like, video games as a medium are just different enough that when you watch a movie sometimes, you're like, oh my god, but wouldn't it be cool to play this? So it's like, I think there is just mm-hmm. such a huge market, especially with the graphical fidelity that is available nowadays, to just be like, this is this thing, the movie game. This is this thing, but it's an original mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in the past 10 or so years, we've seen the rise of like 
movie IP games that are not necessarily just retelling the movie story and like of course there was that stuff for a while like Star Wars was one of the biggest examples of this but like I'm thinking about other IP like the Mad Max video game and the new Avatar video game and stuff like that that is like Mm -hmm. it is existing IP but it is not just a retelling of a movie story it is an opportunity to for a team to take Mm -hmm. that IP and like develop something new in that space in an attempt to capture like the feeling of it to a T. So I, I like mm-hmm. he's I'm with you. I have mixed feelings about it because I part of me is like, this is why why are we doing this? Why are we leaning on this when we could be doing other stuff? But another part of me is like it's cool sometimes, you know? Like, hey, when I play a good Star mm-hmm. Wars game, I'm like, oh yeah, baby, like this is this is what pod racing is. But I don't know. And it's and it's definitely different when it's something that is like new ideas True. using old IP versus just like yeah. remaking something yeah. that's unavailable. Cause I think that's probably the big thing, like exactly what Tori was saying. We're just like so much of this shit is not available and it's not as, it's not like that as much in TV and movie and other art spaces where just like there's Netflix and I can go watch a, a billion old movies mm-hmm. if I want. And if I want to instead like, play old Nintendo video games. It's like spend a lot of money to buy original games that are old or play like the 60 whatever. No, like 200 whatever that are available in NSO. Damn. Okay. Do we have anything else we want to talk about news-wise or do we want to talk about what we've been playing? I think we can get into what we've been playing because we have like two weeks of what we've been playing stored up. So True. That's true. Uh, Who wants to go first? Tori, you want to go for it? Yeah, sure. So the other week I beat Super Mario RPG. I had had a really good time with it. I thought it was interesting how you like enter a different world where you meet the guy who made the sword that is like destroying Bowser's castle and you team up and beat Hmm. him. And like, it's, it's really charming. I thought it was kind of sad that Gino's spirit like leaves his body and now he's just a puppet. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was really good. I really liked playing it. It definitely has got me interested in more 90s RPGs. And Golden Sun is now going to be available for the Switch. And so that has kind of piqued my interest. So I did that. And then I, I've been making some serious progress in Metal Gear Solid. So I am past the Raven Mm -hmm. boss fight, um, which is like that guy who... He's, like, a really big dude, and he, like, launches bullets at you. Right. He's the guy with the big gun that he, like, follows mm-hmm. you around, right? Yeah, yeah, and you have to, like, use a bunch of remote missiles to get him because you can't actually get close to him in battle. It's a very hard battle. Mm-hmm. I just planted a bunch of, like, uh, like C4, so he just would step on it and blow himself up. <laughs> so that's that was my, my strategy in that battle. And then I'm now in this part where, like, you have to find the three PAL keys to, like, disable the nuke. Mm-hmm. But, like, the key shifts with temperature, and so I need to, like, take it to a hot place so it changes shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I have some questions about the lore of this game. Like, okay. Raven just, like, dropped that I am, like, a test tube baby. Mm-hmm. He just, like, dropped that casually in battle. He's, like... You weren't made through natural means. I'm like, can you please elaborate on that before I kill you? 
Are we just going to fight right now? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a surprise to Snake or not. If this is like a Final Fantasy VII situation where you were like made in a lab mm-hmm. to be like a super soldier or not. But like, that's interesting. It makes sense that Snake has like zero social skills if he was like a lab baby. <laughs> um. I will say uh, this is something that the series will continue to explore. This is This is something that that game will continue to explore and also something that like is is a pretty big thing throughout some of the other games so yeah yeah and then the other thing is like before like a couple days ago i did the sniper wolf battle the second one where you like actually kill her very touching scene actually the way you kill her and like let her rest and everything my question throughout this game is like why is Otakon such a simp for sniper wolf like I, that's something that i just did not i don't know if i like missed out on that scene but every time you've got a killer he's like she's such a good person you shouldn't kill her and it's like why i don't remember the specifics there but i think generally otakon is just kind of a simp so okay that, that's just not for her specifically just like in general there's probably some reason in game why it's her specifically but i think in general he's just kind of a simp so yeah okay yeah, good yeah, to yeah. know good to know my hope is that one day he'll be a simp for me. Like, he'll mm. be a snake simp. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you meant, like, you, Tori Dominguez. Mm. And I was no, like, I'm not no, sure. Like, I'm not sure no, I can endorse me, that. Me, the protagonist. Yeah. Like, Snake himself. Yeah. So. By the time you get to some of the later games, uh, Snake and Otacon's rapport is basically just, like, that of an old married couple. Like, it's very fun. They are really cute. They are really cute. So... I, I've been enjoying, like, the evolution of their relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, that part has been good. I will say, like, I swear to God, this, like, some of these boss fights, the real enemies are camera angle. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so infuriating sometimes. Just, like, sometimes I just want to, like, stand against a wall, but not have my back press and have the whole fucking camera change. And, like, I think the that has killed me more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been kind of frustrating. I also was, like, trying to climb like, the underground center to get to the pal key area. Mm-hmm. And I kept, like, blowing up. And I was like, why the fuck am I blowing up? Like, no one is here. Nobody is shooting me. Why am I just repeatedly dying? And this happened to me for, like, half an hour. And I'm like, why the fuck am I... Is someone, like, planting something? And I realized that someone had, like, planted a bomb on me. Oh. And I just need to, like, get rid of it in my inventory. I just need to, like, throw it somewhere. <laughs> it was so frustrating. I will say, uh, I don't know if this is like a hot take or not, but one of the reasons why I really loved Metal Gear Solid Five for all of its faults, story-wise and mechanics-wise and stuff, was that it feels like it's the kind of mechanics that Kojima and the team had wanted since MGS1. And so it feels it feels like a Metal Gear Solid game where finally you are not kind of fighting against slightly herky-jerky controls. And so for mm-hmm. all its faults, that's like one of the reasons I love MGS5 is like it's just fun to do stuff in in a way that like some of the past games aren't quite that fun. Yeah, I definitely will continue to play the games in this collection, just not consecutively. Yeah. Uh, whereas like, yeah, my brother has like he like texted me two days ago. He's like, I just finished. I just finished the third one. And I'm like, what? <laughs> i'm still like working on the first what are you talking about yeah so i think i think i need to take a break from this genre and then play some games that you and i have talked about playing on playing um tony hawk perhaps and then get tony hawk came hearts 2 yeah 
the the best games for the PS2, honestly. Yeah. Is are is what we have potentially on the agenda. Um, just a bunch of sequels. Just, just a any bunch game of with, sequels with two at the end of it. Yeah, the I know. Two, Kingdom Hearts two. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love how we're like we need new IP, and I'm like, how about? <laughs> Have an exclusive yeah. sequels. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I've been up to playing. And then there are two things I've watched recently that I wanted to flag. One, mm. Pokemon Concierge. Okay. This is a show on Netflix. It's like stop motion, almost claymation-ish Pokemon show. Mm-hmm. And it is super cute. I love it. It's like Pokemon dealing with anxiety like the the main character is this girl who's had like the worst week ever like her boyfriend dumped her she got passed up from a promotion from her job she's like stressing out about hashtag adulting Mm -hmm. and she's like i'm gonna quit my job and go work at a pokemon vacation resort that sounds awesome and so she does it does and so she works at a resort where like people vacation there and they get to hang out with pokemon and her Mm -hmm. job literally is to just make sure the Pokemon are having a good time. That's her entire <laughs> job. But she's so, like, neurotic and anxious that she's, like, making fucking spreadsheets and, like, doesn't actually know how to have a good time. And so the Pokemon are actually teaching her how to have a good time. Um, which is, like, kind great. of the whole yeah. thing. That sounds fire. And I looked it up. It looks really cool. I like the... It's really like, cute. Really yeah. It's really cute. And my favorite thing is that, like, the... Her boss is like, there'll be one Pokemon who, like, chooses to befriend you, and, like, that'll be your companion Pokemon. And she's mm-hmm. like, I haven't found one yet. And I've gotten to the point where she finds one, and it's, like, a Psyduck who's just as stressed out as she is. Let's go. <laughs> it's so cute. I'm That's I'm great. really enjoying it. So, I uh, I actually went and got... So, my I had a keychain on my ring of keys that broke off recently. It was your forger from Spy Family, and it broke... So I've nice. been looking for another cute anime keychain, and I just got like a a tiny plush Psyduck. Oh, that's because so the the show reminded me of Psyduck and how much I love him. So He's great, yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend Pokemon Concierge. It is like four episodes, and they're each like twenty minutes long, so it's like not a big commitment at all. You could watch this in one sitting, and it's just so wholesome. So that's what I've been watching, and then at, 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 on TV. Hey, producer Nathaniel here. This is a note to listeners that the next section features a spoiler-heavy review of the film The Iron Claw. You can use the timestamps in the description to skip to the next topic if you would rather avoid those. Okay, back to Tori. And then movie, something a lot, a lot more heavy. I saw Iron Claw last Mm. week. I've been wanting to see this simply because I'm obsessed with Jeremy Allen White. And anytime he's in something, I'm like, I gotta watch this. (laughs) I gotta watch this. I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with him. And so mm-hmm. this movie is like, it's so weird. It has, it's like little women, but for like men who desperately need therapy. Like that's the whole point of this movie. It's like the most toxic family of all time. Okay. It's like this dude who's like, he was almost a he- the heavyweight champion of the world, but he kept getting passed up. And so he has like four large sons and literally, his whole life purpose is to make one of those sons the heavyweight champion of the world. He's like, we gotta bring the belt home, boys. I wasn't able to do it, but one of you has to. Huh. And it's actually not even the one you expect who actually ends up winning it, which is kind of surprising. Okay. But just, like, horrible shit keeps happening to this family. 
So, like, one of them who actually was going to win the heavyweight belt ended up dying really suddenly before his match from, like, a, mm -hmm. some sort of intestinal, like, digestive system issue. And you're like, wow, that's really fucking weird. And so he was supposed to face the heavyweight champion. And so literally at, like, at the funeral, the dad tells the other sons, like, stop crying. You're not allowed to cry about your brother's death. One of you needs to step up and take your brother's place and do this heavyweight match. Like, one of you needs to start training. Huh. And so Jeremy Allen White's character is like, I'm going to do it. And so he does it, and he, he wins. He brings the belt home, and you're like, yeah, wow, so touching. Like, he brought the belt home, like, in honor of his brother. And then he gets into a horrific mm -hmm. accident and, like, loses his foot. And it gets addicted to, to painkillers. What the fuck? Because he lost his foot. You are spoiling this Bro, whole movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Going I'm going, I'm going like line right by now. line here. But like... As, as, someone, <laughs> as someone who saw this movie and really enjoyed it and is editing this week, I got to put a spoiler alert up top because this is crazy. Please. This is out of I, anyway, that's not even the worst one. The worst one is like the youngest kid. I'm not even going to go into it, but it's just like fucked up. What keeps happening to all these men... And the dad just, like, sits there. He's, like, funeral huh. number three. He's, like, all right, boys, we're back at it. And it's, like, no, we're fucking not. Everyone's dead. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, it, it's, like, really wow. fucking depressing. But, yeah, it's, it is a good movie. I know I'm making it I... seem like a terrible time. It, like, is a terrible time. Like, not gonna lie. Like, it is. But it is a good movie, which is, like, how I feel about almost all A24 movies. It's, like, mm -hmm. that was an unpleasant experience, but it was a good movie. So that's, that's Iron Claw. <laughs> I want to shout out um, Philip Russell from Origin Story because I remember right, like the day after I saw this movie, mm. he had a tweet where he was like, I saw Little Men um, and it was so good. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, there's not a better descriptor of the Iron Claw than Little Men. Yeah. <laughs> Little Men. I love that. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I was curious. Kinda, I like, I knew having seen some tweets about this movie that like the story of this family was actually really depressing, but like the trailers don't necessarily allude to that. They're just like, they allude to like one brother dying. It's like boys you see, like, being boys. Yeah, yeah. Boys being boys. It is the first half of the movie. It's honestly so much fun. It's like they're in the eighties. They're wrestling. They have like curly hair mm -hmm. and like someone's getting married and like, they're just like really vibing the three brothers who are like wrestling like three on three and it's like that is a that's a guy's be, like boys rock mm -hmm. dudes rock moment dudes but rock, then it just yeah. all goes downhill from there it's been like almost a month since i saw this movie and it's just lived inside of my brain yeah since then <laughs> like i can't escape it and so i told angie this past week that we have to go see it this weekend because i had been like after i saw it the next day I was like, I kind of want to go back to the movie theater and watch that again. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'll just wait for streaming. Like, I don't need to go to the movies two days in a row. But then it's been a month now. And I told Angie, I'm like, we have to go see it because I just can't escape it. I, just, I really, really liked that movie. Yeah, it yeah. is a good. Yeah, it's one of those. I don't know how to, how to. It's not the same level of feeling bad as the whale. Like, that's just fucking decrepit. Like, that's just like. That's, Dar that's Darren Aronofsky, like, pure body horror. And there is a little bit of body horror in a way, but not, like, that level, whale level. Hmm. Um, but I do recommend it. 
I love family dramas, so that's why I'm into it. Like, I love, to- like, movies about just fucking toxic families. So, my, that's where like, I'm when at. I, when I left that movie, I was thinking, isn't it so crazy that, like, a fucked up man can just create a family? Like, he can just make it with his own body and then fuck them all up. Like, yeah. that's yeah. when I left that movie. I was like, that's so crazy. Yeah. You know what's even crazier so is that there was a brother they didn't even have in the movie. Yeah. There's actually what? six brothers. They only mentioned five in the movie. There's a six brother, but they're like, they said that it would it would extend the runtime and it would make it too sad because do they want to watch like another guy die? No, you don't. The, the thing is, Tori, like um, they do a lot of story swapping with a lot of the characters. Yeah, I know Jeremy and, Allen White is like two brothers fused into one in terms of yeah. his storyline and his death. But like Weird. the Mike character also in which is like the fourth brother. Yeah, um, the young the one. one who the one who doesn't want to wrestle and then does. He, like in real life that dude was a wrestler and wanted to do it and was doing it for a long time. Hmm. And then there was like this other fifth brother who was like way shorter than the rest of them and had some um like bone condition where his bones broke super easily and so he like wanted to become a wrestler with his brothers but was like five foot six and his bones kept breaking jesus christ interesting interesting yeah that jesus mike was like mike mike Mike, like deeply bothers that's the part of the movie i think about the most is mike and i'm like oh um so yeah good movie a uh, heavy warning like if you if you cannot handle like pretty grisly deaths um a depiction of suicide like general family toxicity do not watch this movie but if you're in it if you're in it because you're like i need to watch some toxic masculinity and i need to i need some beefy boys in my life it is a great movie okay that's, that's literally that's why i saw it because it, it was like the day before it came out you messaged and you were like have you heard of this and i was like no let me let me do a just a cursory Google search. I just saw some beefy boys, looked at nothing else except <laughs> Showtimes, and went to the movie. <laughs> Again, my movie recommendation streak keeps keeps going. Honestly, honestly. Keeps going. That's really funny. So yeah, that's oh all I God. have. All right. So I guess if we're talking about things we watched, I will start with uh, something similar to that. So I'll talk about a movie I watched. So... I've talked on the show before. I was talking to Tori about this. Um, I've talked on the show before about how when I was in high school, I went through like a brief One Piece phase. I read like 200 chapters of the One Piece manga. I never really got into the anime because the pacing of it was just like, it was the same reason I never got into the Naruto anime, which is that like the pacing was just so unbearably slow. And like, as I've talked about in the past, like as somebody who is overly conscious of how every minute of my time is spent when I'm consuming media, like looking mm-hmm. at the list of the episodes of One Piece, I was like, I physically can't do this. But I really liked mm-hmm. reading the manga. Like I I thought the art was really cool. I really loved the characters up to where I was. Like I was at a point where the overarching plot was like not really doing anything for me. And like the individual settings of places was kind of hit or miss. But like I really loved the characters. I really loved spending time with them because they were like, they had really strong elements to their characters in a way that like, if pushed too far, would feel like they were being flanderized, but like is pushed just far enough that it doesn't quite make them feel like caricatures of themselves, but it just makes them feel like 
characters whose interactions with each other you like really look forward to like Zoro and Sanji always being at each other's throats is just like fucking hilarious like yeah it's fucking hilarious and it always generates like well-timed comedy especially in like a thing that is filled with action scenes that like is just great I really like it so I randomly saw some tweets or a TikTok or something about how like how you know every anime has especially shonen anime has like a gazillion tie-in movies that are just like Mm -hmm. an excuse to get you to go to the movie theaters and buy a ticket and like i learned that there is a one piece movie that came out in 2006 2005 or 6 directed by anime director mamaru hosoda so like the guy who directed like i guess most recently bell but like he's also known for um, this guy he also did like the girl who leapt through time and summer wars and a couple other things like i really liked the girl who leapt through time i watched that years ago he has like a really cool animation style and he does really well with like character driven stuff And I learned that he directed a One Piece movie that is, like, non-canon, but non-canon in a way that, like, it's just enjoyable as a one-off. And that the animation for this movie, like, if you're listening and you've never seen this, look up um, One Piece, Baron Omatsuri, and the Secret Island. And the animation style for this is, like, radically different than anything else in the One Piece series. And that's kind of what drew me to it. And just, like, on a whim, I was just, like, chilling at home one night and I watched it. And I had such a great time watching this. Like, I, if you are, like, a lapsed One Piece fan or, like, a diehard who has never seen this movie, like, I cannot recommend it to you enough. And, like... Uh, the fun part of the fun of it too was that like it had the the version of the straw hats that like I made it up to in the manga so it was like everybody up to Robin mm-hmm. and it, it was just so much fun it's like it, it really leaned into like the Looney Tunes logic that like the, yeah. <laughs> the series kind of does sometimes but like kind of can't do too much or it would totally undermine things so it's like it's like 80% of this just operates on like total complete Looney Tunes logic. Like people are doing things in here that would make sense in like a fucking Roadrunner short. And, but it still feels internally consistent in a way that is like genuinely impressive that they managed to make it still feel like there are stakes knowing that people can do like Bugs Bunny shit. So yeah, I was really, I really enjoyed it. Like it, it was 90 minutes long. It's available on every skeevy anime streaming website on the internet. Like, I really recommend watching this one if you're like uh if you're at all interested in One Piece as someone yeah. who uh only read 200 chapters of it and ha- really has no desire to catch up to it at any point in my life. So, yeah, I I definitely want to get into this because my knowledge of One Piece is like up through Brook, the skeleton okay, guy. Okay. The skeleton guy, yeah. Um and then afterward I'm like, "What?" Um, and then Jesse just explains the rest of me, and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to watch that. Um, Netflix has, well, there's actually been a lot of One Piece news. So Netflix oh, really? has now made all 21 seasons of One Piece available. You, you could actually Christ. catch up if you wanted to, if you have Netflix. Oh my God. They're also rebooting the entire series in a separate anime. Oh my God. Why? That's like going to be more, like more uh, condensed, not as filler. More episodes. Yeah, and it's going to be yeah. made by the same studio as Spy Family. So, like, that's also happening. And then, like, also, did you ever get around to watching the live action? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, that's... Me either. Okay. You can. That's... If you want to do, like, the first season. Yeah. That's... That's... Yeah. That's what the live action covers. But, yeah, there's just been a lot of One Piece floating around lately. 
I'm just looking at like I'm looking at the the like tweet that Netflix made to announce this reboot and it just says announcement recreating the story of the original One Piece manga starting from the East Blue arc the One Piece is coming to Netflix and it's like but why <laughs> but why like, like I understand I guess I understand on paper that it is to try and onboard people who want to watch this story but like the l- amount of episodes is too daunting. Yeah, but don't want to watch 25 years worth of anime, yeah. But it's like, doesn't that kind of feel like an admission that like things have kind of gotten out of you hand? Like I, yeah. like I watched some of the early anime and the animation still holds up. And like, I don't remember the pacing. Yeah, it does. Like I remember the pacing was like definitely slower than the manga, but like. The pacing gets worse as the show oh, goes on. Oh, does it? Okay, that doesn't really surprise yeah, me that much. Yeah, so for example... Like, Jesse was watching the second to latest arc called mm-hmm. the Wano arc, which takes place in, like, samurai, like, feudal Japan. Okay. Very cute. However, that arc lasted, like, four and a half years. Holy shit. Because there were so many fucking fillers. Like, Jesse would watch an episode of this, like, Wano arc. And I swear to God, one episode would be, like, Chopper had, Chopper went into a room and was like, hey, guys, how are you? And then, like, <laughs> Luffy gets into a battle and punches a guy one time. Like, that was how insanely inefficient the pacing was. One battle between Luffy and some other guy would be, like, six episodes. That's crazy. That's it would crazy. be crazy. And so that's, like, the first two or three yards of One Piece are actually kind of fine in terms of pacing. Mm-hmm. But as it goes on, it gets worse. And at Wano, it was, like, Jesse was, like, I can't watch this anymore. Oh, my God. Like, I think I'm just going to, like, read the manga. Like, this is fucked. And so he's actually, like, given up. <laughs> and it's, yeah, so. I'll be real curious to see how, like, other, how this is handled. Because, like, other series have done stuff like this, you know? It's, like, like Dragon Ball did this um, in, like, the mid-2010s, early 2010s. Their Funimation launched a different version of Dragon Ball Z called Dragon Ball Z Kai with the intention Mm -hmm. of like re like basically just remastering the animation of the earlier series to make it look like a little more like something that was coming out in the present day yeah I watched this did you kid and like yeah Kai Kai was billed as the same thing it was like hey is the 300 episodes of Dragon Ball Z too much for you why don't you jump into Mm -hmm. this it's only going to be like half that but like diehards mm. still hate it because it changed stuff it was like not only did they yeah. just cut out the filler they changed shit and so like diehards were still not happy with it and like um i don't yeah. know like full metal alchemist i think is like the gold star example of this you know where it's like oh god brotherhood is yeah no one has done it like brotherhood brotherhood is great i really like brotherhood i'm actually like in a very protracted watch of that right now that like is probably going to continue for the next two years because i'm watching it with like christine and our friend cam and like we're also watching like three other shows together right now so like one piece or one piece uh full metal alchemist doesn't get brought out super often but we're working on it but like i still personally have a gripe with brotherhood that like brotherhood is best when you have watched the original show there is like in there there is like a baked in intention that you have watched the original show because like the entire first like 15 or so episodes are actually covered better pacing wise in the original show because that was coming out contemporaneously with the manga so it's like I still think Brotherhood is great, and I've heard that it only gets better the later you get into it in terms of, like, faithfulness to the manga, but it's, like, 
it, it, I still feel like the early stuff in that show kind of relies on having seen a little bit of the original series. And so it's it's just so weird. It's so weird when something comes out like this and they're like, we're going to reboot it again. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because like another well, another thing that few years ago that they tried to do was sailor moon crystal true yeah which was and it, it like sucks ass because the animation is so ugly and so low budget <laughs> that like people's fingers wouldn't be right and like the way their bodies it just like did not look right mm-hmm. and the thing about well the thing about sailor moon crystal is like sailor moon is a very interesting franchise in that the anime actually told the story better and fleshed out the characters more than the manga ever did oh that's interesting like Naoko Takuchi made great characters in a great universe, but she, like, sucked at telling the story, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And the anime actually did it better. So when they're like, we're going to be more faithful to the manga, I'm like, that's actually bad because the manga isn't that good. <laughs> IMO. <laughs> like, I like the 200-episode full-of-filler, like, girl drama Sailor Moon. Like, I don't like 30-episode condensed Sailor Moon because they take out all the fun shit. Yeah. In my opinion. So some huh. animes need this, some don't. There are some animes that need this more than One Piece. Like, I feel like Soul Eater and Tokyo Ghoul are both series that were kind of butchered by the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, that could use a good reboot. But yeah, it's it's very interesting that One Piece is doing this. It's weird, yeah. But that's yeah, that's me on the the anime front, which I I dip my toes into periodically. Next up, Nathaniel. I think I understand Vampire Survivors now. Tell me more. So I got Vampire Survivors, like, because you raved about it. Like, I've been hearing people rave about this game for ages, but, like, in the same way that, like, uh, when Tori says this movie is good, you just go buy tickets sight unseen. Like, when you say a video game is good, I'm like, (laughs) I got to get in on this shit. Um, So the first couple of times I played Vampire Survivors. No, you saw me playing Suica game on Switch and then just bought it. And I just, I just bought it. It was like two bucks. Like, yeah, I'll buy it. Um, I so the first couple of games I played of Vampire Survivors, I didn't really get it. Like, and then I fu- I had one run after that that I got to like twenty minutes, but I did it with like a weapon set that just did not feel very satisfying. And so I think I told you this last week. I was like, I was playing it. I hit the twenty minute mark, and it was just like I was killing so much shit every second that like. It was just like a sea of numbers on screen. And I was playing it on the TV and Christine looked at me, looked at the TV, looks at me again and is like, are you having fun? And I was like, I don't know if I'm having fun, honestly. Like, I feel like I'm just kind <laughs> of like, I don't know what I feel like I'm doing. But um, since then, like, I've experimented with some of the different weapons and I've been playing more with like actually checking the map to see where there's like question marks that I need to go check out on the map and that kind of thing. And I finally got my first 30 minute run a couple of nights ago. And like, I think I get on it. Which, like, which level I think did you get your, your 30 minute run? Like the first one? I got my 30. Yeah, it was on the first one. I've unlocked the next couple. Like I have like the milk mm-hmm. factory, which is like the description is very funny. It's like this is where milk magic comes from. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? But um, yeah, I got it on the first level. I'm trying to remember what my weapon set was. I had like the <clears throat> I had like it was with the guy who has the thingy that bounces around the screen. It's mm-hmm. like a prism. And then, so I had that at, like, max level, and then I also had the knives that you throw Mm. at max level. So I was just, like, 
every every like the knives when you first get them it's like every x amount of seconds you throw two knives in the direction that you're looking i had them at max level which meant that it was just a never-ending stream of knives coming out of my character's uh, sprite and like that scaling is probably what is the most interesting yeah. to me it's like when you when you get a weapon leveled up so far that like the effects of it are just night and day from what they mm -hmm. were at the start and then if you can get them like fused with another weapon like that's really neat so i'll use the dude who like has the knives as his like choice weapon because mm -hmm. he has the thing where like every weapon he has will like add plus one um to the amount of shit that it's firing yeah. And then I'll just get like duplicator, duplicator, duplicator and level that all the way up to level eight until just everything that I have is firing mm -hmm. like 30 projectiles at once instead of one. Yeah. It's like, it's really, yeah, that kind of stuff is like immensely satisfying. This is yeah. like just, this is like the most video game ever when I'm playing yeah, it. Honestly. It is just like lots of numbers. The numbers scale in a way that is really satisfying. Um, the enemies you you know how strong they are almost exclusively based on their size and also the color differential they are from the what they looked like at the beginning like it's all just like super simple basic video game stuff but done in a way that is like just really satisfying and so i was talking about this in our discord like i I've determined that like when I'm listening to like droll municipal meetings waiting for the interesting part to start this is like the perfect video game cuz like it's not online. I can pause oh, yeah. it. I can see yeah. that. It's, uh, I really just need to use my hands. And if I look away from the screen for a couple of seconds, like chances are I'm not going to get a game over in the yeah. two seconds that I looked away. So like it, it might be the perfect game for listening to a four hour long city commission meeting because you're waiting for like item six and items one through five don't warrant more than like a couple of notes on them. Yeah. So if you're a prospective employer listening to this, I was kidding. If you're not a perspective, if you are someone who does similar work to me and you're listening to this, give this shit a shot. <laughs> so, yeah, Vampire Survivor is good. I'm going to keep just kind of like occasionally booting this up and playing around. The other thing that I've been playing like a, a bit of that I wanted to talk about is Final Fantasy XI, the 25-year-old MMO Final Fantasy XI. Or I guess it's 20 years old. It's like a little over 20. It came out in 2002. This game is really interesting. So I want to, the story of how I got here is that I read a really great article on Paste Magazine. I might have even mentioned it on the show when I read it from um, Dia Lacina about like the 20th anniversary of this game and about how like she just, she looked back on her days of playing this MMO like so fondly. And I, I was never super into MMOs as a kid. I definitely never played this one because the options to play it and also it kind of like predated my gaming craziness by a few years. It required that you either have a computer that could run Final Fantasy XI or that you have the modem attachment for your PlayStation 2 so that you could hook up to the internet and play it. But it, it's... It, and it was a monthly subscription-based game too. So like, uh-uh. But... Square Enix is still supporting this game. Like, this is a game that, despite Final Fantasy XIV's success, Final Fantasy XI is playable not just on, like, 
private servers that people are just keeping up, but like Square Enix official servers that still have new content occasionally rolling out to them. And so playing a PlayStation 2 ass looking game that still has new content coming to it is kind of surreal. The other thing that kind of drove me to this is that the the girls from the Girl Mode podcast had also talked about this a little bit on their show, and I kept prodding them on Discord until one of them bought it, and then finally they did. And so um, Willa from Girl Mode over at Inverse has started like occasionally writing about Final Fantasy XI, which she has the opportunity to. So I was like, let's go. People I know who are playing this game, this is an excuse to jump in. So I am playing as a black mage, so I'm just like a fun little magic guy. Um, this game is just like the most 2002 ass game ever and like i kind of love that about it like it was excruciating getting this downloaded onto my computer because i bought it not through steam but through the square enix website because it was on sale and i missed the steam sale on it if you download it through steam it just like auto installs the game onto your computer but like even if you do download it through steam it also installs square enix's 20 year old proprietary launcher called play online and like imagine what a mmo launcher looked like 20 years ago and it still looks like that they have not updated oh it and so not only do you have to have a square enix account that is tethered to having purchased this game but your play online account has to connect to your square enix account and it's like it has to there have to be so many different digital handshakes that are just such a fucking pain to get like it took me like a solid 30 minutes to even properly iron out my logins and then after that i had to update the game and the the like server infrastructure for game updates also has not been updated in 20 years so like i was reading an explanation of why it took me an hour and a half to update this game and it was saying that like yeah they do it the old style way where it basically just opens up like a basic ftp server between you and square enix and it's replacing the files one at a time so it is like incredibly janky but like It's janky in a way that's really charming. And, like, uh, let me tell you why I was able to get over the jank. When I launch into the game, I'm playing by myself. This is a game that is extremely meant to be played with friends. Um, I'm playing it by myself. I'm in, like, one of the starter areas, and I'm trying to talk to one of, like, the first couple NPCs to, like, do one of the basic quests. And there was a user who looked kind of like me who was in front of me who had started doing some like animation for this weird magic thing i learned later they were doing synthesis where you can like merge multiple items together to like cook them into a new item and so really the only thing i knew how to do was chat i didn't even know how to open up my menu yet and i like i chatted with them and i was like whoa what are you doing that looks cool and this user whose name was cauliflower was like oh i'm doing something as part of the quest and i was like oh cool i don't really know how to do anything yet and so cauliflower taught me how to like open my menu how to add them as a friend, how to open the map. And this is all stuff that, like, if I had actually read, like, a fucking wiki article before I booted it up, I would know. But, like, that tells you everything you need to know. This is a game that, one, requires that you basically be reading a wiki alongside of it to know what you're doing, but also has, like, a fan base and a player base that is just, like, so in love with it. And just, like, I'm sure there are assholes in this game. There are assholes everywhere. But, like, all of the players that I've had interactions with have just been so friendly. Like, I was, uh, uh, like, a week after I started playing, I was in the starter area. I was all of level 8, and I was getting ready to, like, go back out to go look for something. And this guy runs up to me, 
and like he was clearly a higher level than I was because he had like swanky armor. And so he, you can like investigate other players and see like what level they are, what class they are, what equipment they have. But when you do it, it sends a notification to that player. So I got a, a notification that was like, user Baj is investigating you. And I was like, okay, hello. And so I chatted with him and I was like, what's up? And so he offers to trade with me. And so I open up the trade interface and he chats me and goes, are you new? And I was like, yeah, I just started playing a week ago. And so he just gave me 20,000 gil and like a hundred of this like health restoration item that also buffs my magic skill. And he was like, here you go. And I was like, why are you doing this? And he was like, I'm just helping out new players. And then he just left. And I was like, I'll never forget you, Baj. Thank you. And so then I like immediately wandered up to another random player and gave them 500 of it. Granted, like I'm at a point in the game where scaling wise, I don't really know what that much money can even buy me. I said to him, I was like, I'm not even, I was like, I bought a new shirt for 300 gil. I don't really know what 20,000 gil will get me. And he was like, just hang on to it. You could buy new magic for it with it later. And I was like, okay, good to know. I rock with this guy. So I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really interested to play this like when with other people. And I think that's going to be where this really shines. But like in the meantime, I'm just kind of loving the atmosphere of it. Like I've barely done a quest yet. I'm just really soaking in the atmosphere because it's just like cool. I like it a lot. So yeah, Final Fantasy XI. Did you tell Baj to check out the podcast? I did not tell Baj to check out the podcast. That was stupid Damn. of me. Um, I need to do could that. Could have been a guest. It, could have been a guest. Could have been a guest. Come on. Uh, come on. Uh, our guest this week is this random guy I met on Final Fantasy Eleven. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's cool though. I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I think I've, I've elapsed two weeks of my free month free trial. So I have to decide if I want to spend the $12 to get another month when this is up. So, uh, write in if you think I should pay $12 to get another, uh, another month of Final Fantasy 11. I think I, I, I might've mentioned this last week in our, our dead episode, but I, I'm playing this on my like janky old PC laptop that I basically gutted all the files off of so that it could be exclusively a Final Fantasy XI machine. I so love that. This thing has like a web browser, some files, and then like Steam and Final Fantasy XI, and that's it on it now. And uh, every now and then it like gets a little loud, and I'm like, is this PS2 game going to be what does it in? And it keeps on trucking. So shout out to my laptop from 2017 that was like two hundred dollars when i got it because i needed something for school i guess like the only other thing i really want to shout out um is that in the last couple of weeks um christine got me a fitbit and i i don't know i'm really enjoying it i this isn't really a game but I kind of think of it like a game because it's making me kind of like gamify my exercise and like my quality of life and I really like, I was really wary for a while about like stuff like this that collects this much biometric data. But then like, I kind of just came around on that, like my phone collects all the same data and sends it to advertisers. So like, I just got to get over myself. But now I have this cool little device that like buzzes every hour if I haven't taken 250 steps. And at the end of the week says like, hey, here's what your average resting heart rate was and what your average amount of steps you took during the day was and also like how good you slept on average per per day. And I just think that's really cool. Like, I don't know, it's neat that I have this data about myself now and the data isn't like, 
I guess your mileage may vary on this, but like for me at least, it's not depressing. It's instead like, okay, I, this is cool that I hit 10,000 steps this day, but like I didn't sleep really well this night. So like I need to try and push myself to like go to bed a little earlier. So I guess I just had to gamify this kind of stuff and that's how I'm going to make my life better. I think that's it from me though. Um, Nathaniel, what's what's rocking? Um, I'm still playing Persona 3 Portable on my Switch. Uh, I had like a big talk about this last week on our episode that died. Um, basically, since then, I'm, I'm like a level 51 now. I just had the October exams and uh, Shinjiro died last week while I was playing and that yeah. was terrible. But you guys had asked me last time we talked about this. You were like, who's your team? And I was like, it's these three people. They're the only ones I'm rocking with. Mm-hmm. And Shinjiro was one. And so yeah. when he died. Oh, no. And he was my strongest because when you get him, he's so fucking strong. Yeah. And so when His I got him. His attacks are crazy. I think he might have been even stronger than me when I got him. Um, but when he died, I was like, okay, now I have no idea who else is going to die. And I'm like, I've, I felt like I was at a really good position to just go back and level up my other characters. And so I was like a level 44, I think, when Shinjiro died. And Yukari was my lowest, who was like a level 23 or something. Because I just like immediately kicked her out of the party once Akihiko joined. And so I went back and I leveled everyone up. And so everyone is like almost at 50 now. Wow. Um, it didn't take that long because I just took all the weaklings up to the high floors of Tartarus and did all the fighting myself and just kept them alive so they could XP farm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, I just, I was having some trouble with this one boss who was like the last boss that you fight in block four of Tartarus. Um, but then I just went and visited the police station and bought like whatever the current like best weapons and armor were. And then I beat him the next time I played him. And so I'm on floor 164. I'm done with block four. So there's two blocks left, I think. But it's 100 floors left. Like there's so, so many floors left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Enjoying it. Grinding it. Very much thinking about like what the fuck am I going to play when I'm done with this? Because I'm going to feel like really hungry for something similar. But I feel like I have to not let myself start persona 4 after i'm done with persona 3 yeah because then i would just play it for four hours and never touch it so whenever we get there i need i need some big advice from you guys on what to play after persona 3 yeah that's so tough because it's like Mm. i'm curious what your thoughts are toria but like the only things that are really like these games are these games yeah you know yeah that's the thing there's really nothing there are certain types of RPGs, like, for example, like, Sea of Stars, Mario RPG. Like, that's kind of like a genre mm-hmm. in of itself, that sort of 90s sprite RPG. And a lot of Final Fantasy games also fall into that category. But Persona games are, like, very... There's nothing like that. That combination of social and combat. Yeah. Like, if you just like the combat and the grind, then, like, Shimigami Tensei. Mm-hmm. You know? But there is nothing else that is the exact combination of a persona game besides another persona game and honestly whenever i play one of these games i do not play another one of them back to back because i get too burnt out yeah like after i play a persona game i just play like some action or like strategy i just do like literally any other genre i think after i played persona 3 a couple years ago i just played fall guys for a month (laughs) if i remember correctly it just needs to be fortnite 
Yeah. Yeah, I think you might need a Fortnite palette cleanse. No, I was just going to say, I think the, the tricky thing, too, is, like, if you had played Persona 5, I would have been like, yeah, gear up, go play 3. Because 3 is similar enough, but, like, hardcore and different in enough ways that I think you'd be into it. But, like, I think the transition from 3 to 5, like, uh, just, like, the way you've been approaching battles and approaching, like, leveling and that kind of thing might feel kind of strange, mm. like, right back to back. So, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Angie right now is playing the Ace Attorney trilogy, and oh, so cool. I'll just watch her play that for a month. As yeah. well. Oh, nice. Done with this game. Uh, That's awesome. Is she liking those? She is. She's really liking it, and it's like mm-hmm. something that she can do whatever. It's it's kind of like Vampire Survivor in that you can kind of do whatever you want while playing mm-hmm. Ace Attorney because you can pause it or just not move forward or whatever. Yeah. You can chill on that game. The next thing, the next item, I'm not even going to talk about. But uh, I downloaded Pal World yesterday on Game Pass because I just, I, yesterday I went online and I just see Pal World, Pal World, Pal World. I was just getting inundated with Pal World online yesterday. And so I was like. This is op- open world Pokemon with guns, right? Yeah. yeah I remember this one. Kind of. But it's also Minecraft. Hmm. If that makes sense. It's Lego Fortnite. I, I think that makes sense. It's yeah. Lego Fortnite plus um, Pokemon Arceus. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a that lot. That does sound like yeah. a lot. Um, but it's broken. It's broken as fuck. And so oh, I didn't okay. have a good time playing it. It's not super customizable. It did, I didn't think it looked great. Pretty much I got to the point where I collected some wood and then I built a crafting table and then it was like, you need to get some stone and you need to get this precious material to build this thing. And so I was like, okay, I'll build like a wooden pickaxe so I can get some stone. And it's just like the crafting table wouldn't let me build a wooden pickaxe. And so I figure out that I can harvest hmm. stone by just punching it with my fists. Yeah, Minecraft logic. And then I was like, okay, I have some stone and I have some wood and I have this thing that it said I need to make the next thing. And then it just wouldn't let me make that either. And so I was uh, like the game has a strategy guide in the options on the menu that's like, this is everything you'll need to know. And so I was like, okay, let me look at building. And I went in there and it's like, building is when you have materials and you use them to build stuff. And I was like, okay, that's not it. Let me look at crafting. And it was like, okay, crafting is when you build a crafting table and then you take your materials and craft with them. And I was like, okay, this game doesn't want me to know how to play it, so I won't play it. It's yeah. It sounds like it's something that will be really fun in a year when there is a really robust wiki that explains how to do all this stuff. Or it's just like, um, God, what is the name of that game that I played that the Rick and Morty dude made? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it might just yeah, High on Life, right? Yeah, I think it might just be 2024's High on Life, where it went on Game Pass and people talked about it on the internet, and then two days later, no one, no one's talking about it. Yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, that like the availability of a lot of games on Game Pass probably does elevate stuff into the level of conversation that like it might not have reached otherwise, which like from a developer perspective is probably like exactly what you want Game Pass to do. But like from a zeitgeist perspective is probably like not the best in the long run that it's like random stuff that is like not worth talking about for as long as we are talking about it gets this kind of spotlight just because like hey it's available let me just download that new game yeah um so yeah pal world whatever uh 
I want to, there's something here I want to talk about and that we'll, we'll see how this goes. Okay. Noah, I don't know if you have realized, but I'm going on TikTok way, way less. I have. Like, so, yeah. like sometimes Oof. I'm going, I'm going a day or two without going on TikTok because I just don't feel like TikTok anymore. Yeah. TikTok is not where I'm at. Interesting. I'm very, I've, I very much have replaced it with YouTube and I'm enjoying longer form content. Mm-hmm. It's just like the shortness of TikToks is like. I get on TikTok. If I'm not enjoying a video in two seconds, I swipe. If I'm not enjoying it in two seconds, I swipe. And then yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? It's been 10 seconds. I've looked at four videos and I just close the app. Yeah. Um, and so I just get on there to see if my friends have sent me anything. And then I pretty much just get off. Yeah. But uh, there was this YouTube video that I watched. It's called, um, I flew to Detroit to track down a Game Boy thief. It is by Nick Robinson. Who is this dude? I had never seen any of his content before. Wait this a minute. came up in my YouTube recommended. Oh, no. Hold on. Let me see which Nick Robinson this is. Oh, no. It's this Nick Robinson. Can I tell you who this Nick Robinson is? Oh, no. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, let me go first because I feel like okay. knowing who Nick Robinson is will help inform some of this. So okay. back in like... 2017 2018 2016 even in that era when polygon was like new and hot and it was like dominated by the McElroy brothers in terms of like the kind of content that was coming out of polygon nick robinson was also really big in the polygon sphere like him and griffin McElroy, who like i don't know how familiar you are with his content he did like not at all monster factory um carboys uh a, a bunch of these polygon series and he's also a podcast host and has a number of shows including my brother my brother and me which is like one of the big ones that him and his brothers are involved in but like him and his brother justin were like instrumental in the founding of polygon as an entity and nick robinson was very much in that like oeuvre so, early on here so it's like the iron claw for video games <laughs> sure yeah 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 Anything with brothers is Iron Claw. Though. Okay, yeah, there you go. The, the amount of times yeah. they say brother in that movie is like Hulk Hogan level. Um, They're okay. like, just me, my brothers, brother. Yeah, like, my brother, sorry. my brother, and me is exactly like Iron Claw. Then actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> so so early on in this like space, a lot of the video content that was coming out of it, podcast and video, was very much like Griffin and Nick. Like the two of them had a pretty good rapport with each other. Nick was kind of like um, they would kind of like bounce off each other in a way where like they alternated being the straight man in like a way that was pretty fun. And then in like 2018 ish. Ba-ba-da, Nick Robinson got canceled. He was oh, no. leveraging his uh, internet stardom to send messages to people on Instagram who had just turned 18. And like, I oh. I do not remember <sighs> the exact specifics on that. So I, I want to say allegedly, 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 do not sue me. I don't think he, no one's going to hear this. But like, I, I don't remember the exact specifics of it and I'm not Googling it because I'm not giving this guy the time of day. And so Nick gave like a super half-assed apology. He got dropped from Polygon. They said they were going to do an internal like investigation and then they dropped him like a hot fucking potato and never released the details of the internal investigation. Um, this is actually why I started listening to Waypoint because Waypoint was like the only video game anything that was talking mm-hmm. about this. And Waypoint mm. did like a whole segment on their episode where they were like... I. 
Tori's holding up her waypoint mug. Yeah, waypoint and I just spilled like coffee whole... over myself from holding up the waypoint mug. Fuck. Nice. This was like a hundred and change episodes into waypoint, and this is when I started listening to it. They did like a whole segment on their show that was like, it's really frustrating that nobody is talking about how this really prominent dude in games media just got canceled for being like a, a creep. And so yeah. Nick vanished off the internet. Griffin kicked him off all their podcasts. They were on. Griffin never mentioned his name ever again. Like this guy got memory hold basically. And then Nick Nick slowly started building himself back up as a presence on YouTube. And he would do like I'm this is why I'm interested to hear what this video is because he would do like these stunt videos where like he did a big one where it was all about trying to track down a copy of like the McDonald's training game that was made for the Nintendo DS as a way to like train new McDonald's employees. And so like every now and then I would come up, I would see a video of his on YouTube pop up and I would be like, oh shit, that sounds really interesting. And then I would recognize the username and go like, "Uh uh-oh, no, it's Nick Robinson. And I've Mm -hmm. noticed from having clicked on this video that he went from using a username that was not his name back to using his real name. So I guess, I guess it's been long enough that Nick is uncanceled question mark, but this is the context of who this dude is. I'm about to cancel Nick Robinson. Fucking, on, fucking A, let's go. <laughs> um, okay, you guys can stop me whenever because I'm just going to start rolling real quick because I got to talk about this video. Please. This video is called I Flew to Detroit to Track Down a Game Boy Thief. You don't have to watch it um, because I, I watched it. And mm-hmm. so we'll talk about it. It's 61 minutes long, okay? I did not watch the whole thing. I skipped through it because I hated it so much that I couldn't stop, but I couldn't watch it. Ooh, so it's like a car basically. Accident. Yeah, basically, the premise of this video is he is dating this girl that he says at the beginning of the video he just started dating. How old um, is I don't know. She looks like one of those um, white alien-looking sexy ladies. You know what I mean? Yeah, let me throw out there that... Uh, that's, upon, a, that's a phenotype, yeah. Upon girl. Googling, I don't think any of the people he was reaching out to were underage, but he was trying to solicit nudes from random people on Twitter after being like, hi, I'm Polygon's Nick Robinson. You might recognize me from YouTube. Uh, can I see Can I see them boobs, please? Like, Okay, yeah. so this video is... Um, he's dating this girl, and she tells him about how when she was a little kid, she had a pink Game Boy Advance... And her favorite game was Hamtaro Ham Ham Heartbreak. And at some point, her Game Boy got, like, thrown in the trash by one of her family members who thought that it was a McDonald's toy. Um, I don't know. I don't really get it. And so he hits up this dude that follows him that mods Game Boys. And he's like, for for this girl I'm dating, I want to make, I want you to mod this Game Boy and it's going to be the exact same thing. And then blah 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 and so he goes through this whole thing where he's gets this modded game boy which is really fucking cool it has like a backlit screen and um usb-c charging which is Ooh. so so cool that's awesome i will f- i'll find the dude that makes the game boys and we will link to him mm-hmm. um in the podcast notes because it's really it's really really cool his instagram is so cool and so he gives this girl his girlfriend this game boy okay as they are traveling together um, and so he gives her the Game Boy in a case with a um, one Game Boy cartridge has all her favorite games from childhood and one Game Boy cartridge has all his favorite Game Boy games. And then a third cartridge has every game ever on Game Boy. 
mm-hmm. um, he gives her this thing. It's cool. She's he's like she's playing it the entire time we're traveling. Any downtime, she's playing this. Then they are flying to separate places after this vacation because um, he's going to visit family and she's going home. Okay. And she texts him like right after they split up when she's going on her next flight. And she's like, I don't know where my gameplay is. <clears throat> And he's like, okay, I'm not really sweating this because I put an air tag in the case. And so we'll find it. And so he goes on to his destination. And then the air tag is showing him that it left the Detroit airport and it went to Dearborn Heights, which is like uh, um, 10 miles outside of Detroit. It's a suburb. Um, I think it's a city, actually, Dearborn Heights. And so instead of just buying her a new one he's like i'm gonna go and track this shit down and go get it and it's because of the youtube um content industrial complex which i put in the in the doc and it's like literally i will spend more money to make more money because that's how youtube works Mm -hmm. he's like i can't make a video if i just buy my girlfriend a new one right so instead i need to put my life and my brother's life potentially in danger by just knocking on doors in yeah this he needs to go liam neeson taken to recover a game boy for for the youtube content yeah and so i'm this not is... even really at the part that's that's upsetting me it's upsetting me that this exists at all because i just think it's stupid and a waste of time and i hate that yeah. like the powers that be capitalism everything is saying like he had to go and do this instead of just buying another one that he could totally afford Mm -hmm. because he would make more money doing it this way because he can make a little YouTube video about it. Yeah. And so he constantly throughout the video is showing the find my iPhone map to show where the AirTag is. And he's saying it's in Dearborn Heights. Street names are on there. Um, um, houses are lit up. The dot is there. He's totally doxing people. Mm-hmm. Totally. He like makes half-ass attempts throughout the video to not dox, whether it's like blurring the street sign once they pull up in the neighborhood and it's a street that we've already seen on his phone earlier or oh, blurring his phone or whatever, right? Dearborn Heights, it's a city outside of Detroit. It's in Michigan. Lots of black people, okay? Mm-hmm. And so this dude and his brother pull up they're just filming a shit ton of people without their consent. I'm guessing maybe they got consent from all these black people that they're just constantly filming the entire Surely. time that they're there. Because it, there was one shot that made me so mad, so mad. And it's he's going door to door, knocking on people's doors, being like, hey, I my girlfriend lost her Game Boy that she's had since she was a little kid, which is a lie. He just bought it for her and she lost it day one. Um, we don't even really know. Like, it, it got stolen, probably, but we don't know what happened, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's knocking door-to-door on all these all these black people's houses, and his brother is in the car filming. He's wearing a mic, so they are, like, he's mic'd, and you can hear the other people talking, and his brother's filming it. And so the one scene that pissed me off so much is he's knocking on a door, talking to someone. The brother's in the car filming it, and then the camera just pans over to just, like, these black dudes hanging out on the street. Oh, my God. And it's like, we're just filming these people, right? And so eventually what happens is he goes to like a fucking FedEx and he makes these signs. That's like a picture of the Game Boy and a picture of his girlfriend. And he writes on it. He's like, she's had this Game Boy since she was six years old. And it's the thing that means the most to her. And it got misplaced at the airport. And the location is saying it's around here. So he's just like lying, 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 lying the entire time to every single person he's talking to. He tracks it. He 
like enlists someone to go distract someone else at their front door so that he can hop the fence and go into their garage without their permission. What? Because he's because that's where the air tag is. Okay? And so he's tracking it. What the he, fuck? This is crazy. That's he a crime. Climbs. That's a crime. He, yes. Yes. And there's a, there's one point way earlier in the video where he's like, hey, I just saw that there's a Dearborn Heights cop driving around. And so I thought, maybe I'll just go pull up on him and ask him if he can help me. Because what? it would be so it would be so useful to have the police around. Um, and the cop is like, you need to stop. Because what's going to happen is that we're going to get a call on you. And we're going to yeah. have to deal with you. And he's like, okay, the cops aren't being helpful. I got to just break into these people's garage. <laughs> and so he climbs the, yeah, Tori. <laughs> the law I'm enforcement s- understander. Loss of, loss, I'm okay. a loss. I'm I'll keep a going. Loss words. I'll keep going. He climbs the fence and goes into these people's garage and he is going through their shit and he finds the air tag. It's not in the case, right? And so he's like, cool, now I know these are the people that stole it. And so he goes to the front door where this neighbor that he has enlisted is still talking to these people. And he's like, hey, this is my girlfriend's Game Boy that she has had since she was six. And uh, we just want it back. And they're like, it's not here. I don't, this, it's just this woman. She's probably in her 60s, this black woman. And she's like, I don't know anything about video games. So, my, I'm so sorry, it's probably like I, her kid who stole it or something. Like, that's yeah, probably my guess. I only it, maybe. I, like, yeah, and yeah. only maybe? Like, this is wild. And so, and so he's like, yeah, well, I just found this air tag in your garage. And so I know it's here. And so the lady is like, I can point you in the direction of my son. Like, you can talk to him. Um, And so the son comes over, and he's with his, like, two very little children that this dude is filming, okay? Right? This guy pulls up with his kids, and the guy's like, hey, I'm looking for my girlfriend's Game Boy that she has had since she was a little kid. Because he's saying this throughout the entire time. Which is just so frustrating to me that he's just like bold faced lying yeah. these, to these people and totally grifting. And so he's like, hey, uh, I found the air tag in the garage. And so uh, I'm just wondering if it's here. And the guy's like kind of sweating because he's like really pressing this guy. And the guy's like, I lost it at the airport. I don't know if you work at the airport. And he's like, no, my brother-in-law does. And he lives here. And he was like, well, I'll tell you uh, the Game Boy's here and I'll go get it. And so he gives it back to this dude, whatever. That was like 40 minutes into this 61-minute video. I don't oh know what God. happens after he gets the Game Boy back because I really didn't care. He He's basically like he gets it back and then he's like, okay, cool. Now I know like that this shady guy knows so much more than he's letting on. Like this is his commentary that he's saying. And so um, I go to the YouTube comments because I'm like, I abhor this video. Most sane comments section. I was like, I hate everything about this video. Let me go to the comments. I have the video pulled up. So let me just see if I can, if I can find, find some good ones. I don't even know how to get to comments on YouTube anymore. Okay, I don't know. Pretty much the comments were like, this just proves how far someone will go for someone that they love. Oh, my God. Or people in the comments being like, yeah, law enforcement is so unhelpful when your shit gets stolen. And it's everyone in the comments is just like, this is so fucking awesome that you did this, This bro. This is sick. I can't believe you got it back. That's awesome. God. I like. Yeah. 
this is the thing is it's like and this is what's interesting about this too and this is why i thought the context about who nick robinson would be it was and is would be interesting to you because like that all adds up that adds up right yeah his pre his pre-cancellation persona was that of like uwu soft boy you know he had like this like no that's still the same thing it is okay like baby-faced white man who's like in his 30s um floppy floppy like haircut and very like very like i'm just a i'm just a guy i'm just a little guy it's i'm a little guy and it's my birthday like i'm just such a little uwu soft boy and that was what especially like there were think pieces about this when he got canceled that were like what is the purpose of the uwu soft boy demeanor if you are just using it to like try and get people to send you nudes you know and it was like I have a lot yeah. to say about that. As I'm sure a you woman do. Who went I'm to sure you do. College in the late 2010s. Yes. Um, the horror. The horror. Yeah. The worst man I ever dated. I only dated three people, including Jesse. But I dated two guys before that, and one of them had an uwu soft boy demeanor and legitimately like abused and traumatized me. Yeah. Um, I it be, it got to a point where I was actually like, I need to not like date guys who listen to like bruno major or whatever like Weezer. This, I, like Facts. these these dudes have like a 60 percent chance of being sexual predators apparently like horrible ratio i it's, it's, it's a front it's literally a front you know how that I, we're talking about how like condos in miami are a front yeah. for like 40 year old corruption mm-hmm a certain brand of soft boy is a front for like heinous crimes i'm not saying all i'm just saying enough Wait, breaking news from the YouTube comments Uh in the video that I did not finish, okay? Eight days ago, someone commented, oh man, the drop I felt when he said that they're not together anymore. What he did was so sweet and I felt so happy for them. But well, I guess that's how it goes sometimes. Nice guys finish last, am I right? Yeah, poor bastard, poor bastard. (laughs) That's why like, and, and the other thing, and, like, I, I could tell that this is how you're feeling, too. The thing that really frustrates me about this, too, is it's, like, Nick Robinson is somebody who, who like, used to write for a media outlet and used to produce content for a media outlet. And so, like, even if it's just implicit, he can kind of grift on being, like, a capital J journalist, even though he is not and arguably yeah. never was, too. Never you know? really was. But, like, the... This is so far from, like, any degree of real-world ethics, just as, like, a normal human being, but also the ethics that, like, journalists are supposed to hold themselves to, that, like, it really frustrates me when people are like, oh, my God, games journalism is dead. Just go to YouTube and watch a person who you like. Like, I watched this YouTube video. I think I linked you guys to it at one point that was, like, IGN is dead and here are my thoughts and it was like really interesting because the guy was the guy basically like had somebody help him catalog every single review that IGN has ever done for a video game and the thesis of it was like popular games get rated nine or ten everything below that is basically not worth playing in the eyes of the people at IGN and the difference between a seven and a three is negligible and that was really interesting I thought that was like a really interesting approach to this and then about 
And then about two thirds of the way through the video, he switches to like a new chunk of it. And his new thesis became, and this is why instead of reading traditional games journalism, you should just watch your favorite creator on YouTube because YouTube has democratized this kind of stuff. And I was, I immediately lost him. I was like, I like a lot of creators on YouTube, but that's not journalism. That is not, it is at best commentary. (laughs) And and I feel like so much of that exists in YouTube and even in ways that we're not thinking about. Yeah. Like I I had that huge phase last year where I was just grinding through like the Switch leak YouTube mm-hmm. videos. God bless and those you, videos man. are all that same exact shit where it's like quote unquote journalists who are not journalists. They just care about something and talk about it on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so they get to be a there journalist. There is a difference yeah. between, we have to, we have to say it. There is a difference between, between being a journalist and caring about something and talking about it on the internet. <laughs> Dear but God. Like, like there, I, I've completely stopped watching those videos because I'm so sick of clicking on a video where people are like, look, we have this new information. And then the whole video is like, I think this is what could happen. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I truly think that could happen. And so this is my journalism that I'm making a prediction. <laughs> and it's like, what are we doing? People are like, yeah, uh, I'm feeling really strongly that Metroid Prime 4 will come out as the launch day title for the Nintendo Switch 2, Mm -hmm. which is coming out this year because leakers have said that. And so uh, this game is coming out and this system is coming out. Uh, I'm a journalist. Thank you for watching my video. Uh, Don't skip the ads. Jesus Christ. I, uh, so I don't know. YouTube was my refuge and now now it's your I just hate YouTube too. Exactly. You know what, what, like before we close out, you know what hellscape I've been on? Hmm. Instagram reels. Oh, Lord. Because, like, I deleted TikTok from my phone. I was like, this is toxic. I can't spend too much time. But I have Instagram, and then I found myself watching reels. And, like, it's just disgusting, man. Yeah. I mean, is like, it not just the, time I'm the exact same there. stuff that you see on TikTok? It's the same fucking thing. Okay. Weeks later, though. Oh, okay. Days, maybe. Okay. Days, maybe. Yeah. Every time one of my friends sends me an Instagram reel, I'll reply and say something like, so, so glad this finally hit the Instagram real streets, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Happy for you. Yeah. So wait, hold on. Did you finish watching the Nick Robinson video? Like, did he get the Game Boy back? He got it back. Okay. Yeah. And then he got dumped, I guess. I didn't finish the video. I saw him get it back. I didn't see him get dumped, but I might have to go and finish. I didn't even think about the danger of him getting dumped. I, I was actually more, yeah. I was actually uh, more willing to bet that he would like get shot. Then yeah. he would nope. get dumped. The thing was, like, I watched it by myself, and I thought it was so insane. And so when Angie got home from work, I was like, you have to look at the front end of this video because I want to show you, A, how cool this Game Boy is, and B, how crazy this dude <laughs> yeah. is. And so it wasn't until the second time I had started the video where, like, really early on, he's like, yeah, this girl I had just started dating. And so it's like, why the fuck did you do this? Because <laughs> he's just a little guy. Because yeah. he's just a little. What guy. else could he have done? Yeah. What else could he have? He's done? just honestly. Yeah. He's just instead a little of guy. Uh, going to Detroit, filming black people, knocking on doors, doxing, doxing all these people. Because the, the thing that I thought was really dangerous about that video was I had a feeling that at some point he would get it back because he was foreshadowing the whole time mm-hmm. that he was going to get it back. And so as I'm watching, I'm just seeing these people get like doxed and doxed and doxed, or maybe just pushing us closer to dox, mm-hmm. right? But I think like people were just getting straight up doxed. And so my thing is like. This dude has 
over 1.2 million subscribers. The video is gonna go over a million. It's been up two weeks, it's almost at a million now, right? What kind of danger is he creating in these random people's lives by saying, this is a thief who took something from me yeah. and here is where they live. Yeah, and here's a million eyes on you now, yeah. Yeah. Yucky, that's fucked up. That is so fucking gross. Disgusting. <sighs> Nick Ro- Nick Robinson is canceled. Part Nick two. Robinson is ah. over party again. Hashtag hashtag a second time. <laughs> wow, Fucking I hell. think that's pretty much it, though. I don't, yeah. I don't think we have yeah. any other news items or any other what we've been playing items. Yeah, I guess we can go ahead and start uh wrapping things up. Uh, Nathaniel, where can people find you online? Not doxing people. People can find me on twitter at nathan based i'm in a little bit of a poster era mm. so um so follow for you're fucked though sorry i can post you're in a poster era uh, but trapped by the shackles of of job interviews oh, i know i have some i have some good ones that's true can't. that's true just wait just the, trapped the in job the announcement the job announcement is going to come from Tori, and then the floodgates are going to open. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Nathaniel, I haven't. You said you've been posting, but I've just been like scrolling Twitter less. I hadn't seen your tweets, so can I just read this Nathaniel Wilson tweet at real quick? Out real quick. This is uh, yeah. at Nathan based. It's a screenshot of your LinkedIn profile, and it says you have sixty nine connections. And the tweet reads, "No one else try to connect with me on LinkedIn. We're at capacity." <laughs> So that, if you're missing that kind of content in your life, please follow. That's good. That's really good. Tori, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. That's pretty much it. I'm on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S. And I'm on Play Online on through Square Enix at N-O-H-A dot H-Z. Um, I think that's the only other platform I want to shout out at this time. The podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod, and we are on Tumblr and Blue Sky at press hyphen start pod. The intro and outro music is from the artist Geist, and you can hear more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. And I think that about does it. You can email the show at heypressstart at gmail.com if you want to, I don't know, tell us some stories about skeevy youtube videos you've made over the years and you can also rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to this on and uh please do that we'll read good reviews out on the show not bad ones though fuck you um i think that's about it though anybody have any closing thoughts or if we're reading tweets i just have to read one real quick that i sent you guys the other week it is please from at bougie dick on twitter and it says cat got your tongue (laughs) something negative to say let your dick pick speak for you. Is your dick big enough to be arguing with me? <laughs> no, that's the funniest tweet I've seen it's so long. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Let, there, there's some advice to close on. Let your dick pick speak for you. Honestly. Yeah, let, let your dick pick speak for you. And if you're going out you drinking, go. let, let, let the Josh talk. talk. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>